In today's show, we're looking at second-year players in the NBA. Guys, you might break out what we're doing with them after their rookie season. It's a really strong group of guys. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Hey, if you are here on YouTube... Welcome for the first time. I'm trying to hit 50K on the subs. Um, we're about a thousand away from that. So if you haven't subscribed, do it. There's going to be so much stuff coming. We've got a mock draft tomorrow, positional tiers tomorrow, third year breakouts, fourth year breakouts, sleepers, busts, mock drafts. Did I say mock drafts? Mock drafts. A lot of those coming as well. Individual team fantasy breakdowns coming as well. Information on some big, big leagues coming up as well. I'll say it as well. I'll say as well again. As well, as well, as well. Let's talk second-year breakouts because this is a great rookie class. We talked rookies yesterday. I said how you know this was a really good class. The incoming class, probably not as good. The one before, probably not as good. The one after, probably is as good. If not better, probably is better, to be honest. We're going to talk second-year guys, and this is where a lot of players tend to take big steps forward. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. These second-year guys, this was a historically good rookie class. Yeah, How many more times can I say it? I'll say it a lot because they were really good. They had six top 120 players in nine-cat leagues and in points leagues. The average is five, so they were above that. They had um, yeah, some guys really high up in the rankings. You had three guys hovering around the top 50, which is not usual. You normally get about one top 50 player. We had three in the top 65 or 70, I believe and a number of other guys in the top 100. So it was above average production for a rookie group from this group last season. So what does that change heading into this year? At the moment, with my projections, I have 12 second-year players projected to be top 120 players in category leagues and 10 in points leagues. I actually have eight guys projected to be top 100 players for the upcoming upcoming season in category leagues, and I have seven in points leagues projected to be top 100 guys with plenty of these other guys probably looking at almost 20 to 20. Actually, we've got 24 names I'm going to talk about today who have the opportunity to be drafted or to have standard league value throughout the course of the season. So I've got 12 projected top 120 guys and 24 guys who I think are going to have, actually more, 26 guys, maybe 27, maybe 28. Holy shit. There's a lot of names on my list that are going to have impacts, I think, this season. So let's talk about... The first guy, it is the sly hog, Kate Cunningham. My name is Richie Cunningham. Last season, he was 53rd in category leagues, 54th in points leagues. He played 33 minutes a night. Yahoo has bumped him up to 32 with a rank. He's got an ADP of 37. I, I, th- I think that's probably fine. I took him in a mock draft I did yesterday at the end of the second round in a 14-team league. Is that... And, and as I, I talked about this on, on Mitch Ball, on Ball Boy's Fantasy Basketball Channel, I talked about it saying, yeah, I know it's a little bit early for Kate. I probably don't need to take him here, but screw it. Like, I think he's going to get to this level probably. 
and I just want to take a guy who was a bit of fun. It does require him to improve his shooting, but if I also go into a league with a setting where I go, I'm not that worried about field goal percentage, then his value rises. I think that the 33 minutes a night that he played are going to go up. I think the usage that he had is going to go up. I think that the assist numbers will probably go up. I think you see everything go up. Free throw attempts is another thing that goes up, and he's a really good free throw guy. Um, I'm really, look, that 32 rank on Yahoo is fine. That's third round. I wouldn't let him go past that. I'm really, really in on Cade. Um, ESPN's ranks, should I do a blanket LOL for ESPN? Because their rankings are ridiculous. 71 for Cade. So we think he's going to be worse than he was as a rookie. Significantly worse. Two rounds worse in both categories and points. He's ranked 71 on ESPN, ADP of 72. I know they're going to have to change things because ESPN does not have any rookies ranked at all, which again is ludicrous. And I don't know why they're waiting to change things. Um, but yeah, obviously that's stupid. Cade is like a third round player. I don't hate it at the end of the second round. I would do it in some drafts, in some I wouldn't. Um, but I think in the third round, he, he, I've got no problem taking that. That's basically what I'm trying to say. It, it could go wrong with the shooting, but I think the usage and value is awesome to what, down the stretch last season. he I thought over the last two months of the season, he was the best rookie. He wasn't over the course of the season because he started out struggling, but I thought he was towards the end, and I think he's probably going to be the best rookie this season would be my guess. Let's talk about the guy who was really good and won the rookie of the year last season, Scotland Barnes of the Toronto Raptors. He was 67th in category leagues and 60th in points leagues. He played 35 minutes. That's a lot of minutes. Is there scope for that to improve? Maybe an extra minute. Um, does the Has the team changed? Not really. There's still Siakam. There's still Trent. There's still Ananobi. There's still Van Vliet. There's still Boucher. They're still young. They're added Otto Porter. His ADP is at 47 on Yahoo with a rank... Sorry, his ADP is 50 with a rank of 47. On ESPN, it's at 70 with a rank of uh, an ADP of 68. I think he's better than that. I don't know how much higher. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't go third round for Barnes because, again, I, I look at what he did. He was an under-20 usage guy. With all those players still around, are they going to deprioritize Siakam and Van Vliet so that Barnes becomes a 23-24 usage player? I don't think so. He didn't generate huge amounts of steals. He was okay at them. He wasn't great. He did drop off his shooting as the season went on, and that might bounce back, but that was an issue, and he doesn't take many threes. He, yeah, I'm not sure if he's even going to hit one a game. That's, I think there is somewhat of... He could, he could blow up. There's no, there's no doubt that they, he could just be that good that he comes in and becomes the number one guy. Actually, you know what? There's no chance he's the number one guy. Scratch that, because Siakam's going to be that player. Could he take from Fred Van Vliet? Maybe. I'm not sure about it, though. The 35 minutes has become 36. That's a possibility. I think he's a fourth to fifth round player, but I'm not sure that the elevation in his game is going to be quite as big as the elevation we see from Cade for this upcoming season. He's going to be really solid, but where do we see that big improvement coming? That I guess that's the, uh, that's the question we're going to have with him. And I'll say the same thing for the guy that I personally thought was the best rookie and should have won rookie of the year, but he didn't. Doesn't matter. He's going to be really good. That's Evan Mobley. He was 78th in category leagues last season, 56th in points leagues. Like Barnes, I'm not sure that there's a huge scope to improve his playing time. He played 34 minutes. Maybe that gets to 35. Yahoo's got him ranked 46th. ESPN's got him at 65. And the ADP is a little bit higher on both, 42 and 62. But that's requiring a really big step forward, isn't it? And with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, yes, Larry Markinen's gone, but with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, what... 
what improves for Mobley? The number one thing you look at is free throw percentage, where he was sub 70%. He was also sub 70% at college. So I think if you're looking to grab him, and I saw him go end of the second round in a mock draft I did, which is way too early. You're coming in and going, well, I'm banking on him becoming a two-plus blocks per game player. I'm banking on him becoming a 78% free throw guy. I'm banking on him bumping usage four to five percentage points. And I don't think you can bank on any of those things. I do think that he improves somewhat. He does improve. But I also think that the addition of Mitchell makes it probably a little bit harder for him to take big steps. I think he'll be more impactful on the court. But fantasy-wise, what's the big step forward? I think he's a fifth-round player. Not sure I would go into round four for him. And if he was in the round six, I don't think that's wrong either. He's in that 55 to 70 type of range, I think, this season. So incremental steps forward rather than big blow-ups because we've got to look at context and players. Now, if Jared Allen gets injured and Mobley's playing 37 minutes a night, starting center, increased field goal, shoots 80% from the line, then he blows through it. But I don't want to draft based on that because it takes away just a lot of the value that you might get by getting someone a little bit later. And at the moment, I think he's probably, Evan Mobley, going a little bit too high in some drafts. But Built Bar is never going to go too high in a draft of protein bars because it's the best. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. And the boffins, the taste maestros at Built Bar have done it again with the new delicious indulgent cookie dough covered in real chocolate. That's right, Built has done it again. It is the cookie dough chunk puff Nice, chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, covered in 100% real chocolate. It's all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, and it's healthy for you. 160 calories, 15 grams of protein, low fat, low sugar, as well, like all of the Built Bars and the Built Puffs. It's made with collagen protein as well, which your body absorbs really easily. So after a workout, you can smash it down. You know you're going to get that protein into your system really, really fast. So you can get them at 15% off if you head to Built.com and use the code LOCKEDON15. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, locked on 15, new code at built.com. Built Bar is built different. Okay, it's time. Let's do it. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. Oh, Josh, you're way too high on this guy. He's got to foul out every time he plays. Um. Yeah, okay. His rank was 130th. Uh, who am I talking about? Bloody Alperen Shengun, the delicate dancer. There you go. Who am I talking about? It's Shengun. Um, he was ranked 130th initially on Yahoo. He's currently ranked 172nd on ESPN, which again, lol, um, stupid, ridiculous, makes no sense. He was 175th last year in category leagues, 151st in points leagues with a with playing 21 minutes a night. He is the Houston Rockets starting center. He started 13 games last year, played 30 minutes a night. Foul trouble was a problem for him. He was 10th in the league in percentage of minutes being in foul trouble. That's, that's high. But we see that with rookies a lot. And as things go forward, they do reduce their fouls. Now, when that happens, they often reduce their block rate to stay in games more. But he's not getting by. He's not Rob Williams, Mitchell Robinson, blocking seven shots per 100 possessions or you know, nonsense numbers like that. It's not what he does. He scores, he rebounds, he passes, he gets some steals, he gets some blocks. He's going to be solid enough. The other center on this team is Usman Garuba, who I think is a solid defensive center. But... Shengun should be getting 30 minutes a night. And if he stays out of foul trouble, 33 is possible. They did bump him up in the rankings, which I don't like, to 69. Giggity. I mean, I, I, I like it, of course. But I don't like that he's been bumped up that high. Because I think that's probably about the right spot for him. And in general, we're trying to extract value. Now, maybe there's an extra round of value here from Shengun, 
where he can nudge the top 50. I wouldn't take him in the top 50, and I don't think I'd take him in round five. Maybe if I had the last pick, I would. He's more of a round six guy, but the fact that he's been bumped up by those 60 slots, it takes away so much value. And you can see his ADP is at 93 because he was ranked at 130 prior to this. And you're going to see that 93 come in every week. We do Market Watch Monday. It's going to come in. It's going to come in. And that rank, I reckon, is going to push from 69 to 55 at some point too as well. And you're going to see it come in and come in, and he's going to get outpriced. That's just what's going to happen, I think. Um, on ESPN, of course, he's ridiculous. 172 is his rank. 136 is his ADP. Yeah, anywhere you take him inside the top 80, I think it's a good win for you on ESPN. Um I'm really excited to see what Shengun is going to do. Yes, he's playing with guys like Jalen Green. He's playing with Kevin Porter Jr., who love a shot. He doesn't need gigantic usage because he will rebound. He will get steals. He will get assists. We need some improvement in percentages for him. Jabari Smith's not going to be a huge usage player. He's just not what his game is. And then Tate or Eason or Eric Gordon aren't going to be huge usage guys either as the other starter. So I'm really interested to see what Shengun can do. This is his opportunity. Don't get sucked too far in. Don't go too high on him. Just see if you can get the right value. That's that's the way we've got to look at it. And his teammate, Jalen Green. Another second-year player who is going to have some numbers, I think. He was really bad last season for three to four months. Maybe three months. But the last two to three months of the season, he stepped it up. In the end, he's ranking 157th in category leagues, 116th in points leagues. So... Barely rosterable in category leagues. Barely. But he was putting top 50, top 60 numbers over the last six weeks or so. He played only 32 minutes a night. That can push to 34. So there's scope there already. He's ranked 70th on uh, Yahoo, 83rd, uh, uh, ADP of 83. Now, he was at like 96. So they're realizing some of that folly and bringing him in. I've got no problem with Jalen Green in round six. He definitely has top 40 upside. I wouldn't take him in the top 40. He needs to improve defensive stats, which were pretty poor last season. We need to get some more rebounds and better efficiency. But I do think that will come from him. It's just, what is he doing outside of scoring? Do we get rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks? That's why I'd be loath to grab him top 40. I think that that Yahoo spot still gives us value at an ADP of 83. But again, that ADP will start to come in because he was initially ranked 96th and now he's 70th. You'll see that ADP push towards 65 Round six, round seven, totally fine. ESPN, of course, dropped the ball again. He's at 150 on ESPN with 122 ADP. That's nonsense. That's assuming no improvement from him whatsoever. So, yeah, do with that what you will. If you you think Jalen Green's not going to improve, draft him at 150. But he will improve. Pretty sure about that. Joshy Giddy, 92nd last season in category leagues, 68th in points leagues because points leagues are really run by guys who get points, rebounds, and assists. Percentages don't hurt that much. Well, they don't hurt in standard Yahoo leagues. Um, Steals and blocks, while they're weighted at three points each, the volume of them is so low, it doesn't really impact. If you get good points, rebounds, and assists, shout out Russell Westbrook, you get good fantasy points rankings. That's why he was at 68. Um, Played 31 minutes a night. Scope for that to improve as well. We know that he played like one game after the All-Star break due to a hip injury. People are going to be petrified of taking Thunder players because they're so scared of this tank that they think happens for four months when it really doesn't. I'm not avoiding Giddy because of that, but I think I am because of the ADP. 54, he's ranked on Yahoo with an ADP of 55. ESPN's got him 92, ranked 97 ADP, which is probably okay. Now, I do have Giddy 
being better than last season. I think there will be improvement in some of his shooting, his field goal percentage, his free throw percentage, his three-point percentage. I don't think he takes massive, massive leaps, but I think there will be improvement. I think we'll get maybe a marginal increase in steals, but minutes, usage, rebounds, assists, points, it's all going to be pretty stable. And that, that does have value. I just think at 54, and I've seen him go in the top 50, is too high. I don't get, You're banking on him becoming an average shooter or even an above average shooter and starting to generate defensive stats. And it's just too much unknown for me that I don't expect it to happen, but I need it to happen for me to him to get to that number. So I think it's too high at 54. To me, he's more of a round six player, round seven player. Because assists and, re- and rebounds, to be honest, they do dry up. So getting a guy that can provide both is really valuable. And it's him or Ben Simmons in that range. And I think I'd prefer Giddy. Feel a little bit more trusting in him. That ESPN rank at 92, 97, it's actually relatively fair. I'd probably have him a little bit higher than that, but it's a relatively, relatively fair uh, ranking. Franz Wagner. Yahoo had him at 262 initially. Obviously, ludicrous, made no sense. He was 99th in category leagues last season, 115 points. He only played 31 minutes a night. So there's your number one thing. You go, oh, that's not very high. With what he did last season, he should be able to play 33. Their forward rotation is a little crowded. There's Paulo Banquero. There's Wagner. Mo Bamba played a lot of forward last season. I don't think he will this year, but he did. John Isaac is allegedly the yokai. He's allegedly returning. There's Trimura Kiki in there as well. Terrence Ross could play some minutes at the three. I don't know that he does. But Wagner and Banquero, to me, are the two guys that they're prioritizing with Fultz Suggs Carter behind them. So I think the 31 minutes for Franz bumps. Yahoo's bumped him up to 79 in their ranks after having him at 260. Wonder what changed? The answer is absolutely nothing. But they did bump him up there. 79. His ADP is 105 because he was ranked so stupidly low. So he's at 105. That's going to come in. I think 79 is 100% fine. Round seven, round eight. That's the area. Is he solid across the board? Is he a great roto player? Yeah. Is he probably a little bit worse in points leagues? Yeah. Does he have scope for massive improvement? I don't think so. Full season of Fools, full season of Bunkero, addition of or re-addition of Isaac, allegedly. I'm not sure there's massive scope for improvement. There'll be some improvement, but not massive scope. ESPN's got him at 117 with an ADP of 121. That should come in. That's still a steal in that area, I think, for old uh, old mate Franz Wagner. His teammate, Suggsy. Rough year. 207th in category leagues. 132nd in points leagues, played 27 minutes a night. Started, but had multiple ankle injuries, ended up with an ankle surgery. I am really interested in him for this season. I think he was already, and it's very rare to say this, we got multiple rookies who were really good defenders last season. Mobley, Jones, Suggs, Barnes was okay. I think Barnes' defense was a little bit overrated, but he was a pretty good defender. Um, It's very rare to have rookies be that good defensively. And Suggs was really good. He just couldn't shoot. He was like 20% from three, under 40, like 36% from the field, like horrendous numbers. And that's why you see the gigantic discrepancy between his category rank and his points rank. He only played 27 minutes a night. Gaz Harris is out to begin the season. I think Suggs will start and he should be able to get 30 minutes with Fultz and Cole Anthony mixed in there as well. His rank is 155 on Yahoo with an ADP of 132. It's almost the same on ESPN, 150 slash 137. I love taking him with a later round. Round 10, round 11. I think he's got top 100 upside. 
just through getting you know 15, 4, and 5, 1.5 steals, and we expect maybe two threes a game, and hopefully we start to get him hitting his shots at a better rate because he's better than what he showed last season from a shooting perspective. But you don't have to go too high. He's a very, very popular pick for me, grabbing him with a round 11 or round 12 pick when I'm searching for steals and searching for guard play. So I am interested in him in those later rounds. I think that 27 minutes has scope to push to 30, if not 32. But we just need him to be healthy and for the shots to fall. Hopefully they do. Isaiah Jackson. 215th last year in categories, 229th in points leagues. He played 15 minutes a night. Worth remembering that when Miles Turner went down, he didn't start. They started Goga Badadze. Isaiah Jackson also does not really play any power forward at all. Despite your fantasy site listing him as a power forward center, they just don't do that with him. It's going to be Jalen Smith and O'Shea Brissett who are playing at the four most likely for this uh, Pacers team. His rank was at 180 or something on Yahoo and they've bumped him way up to 85. His ADP is at 105. On ESPN, he's not ranked. Lol. His ADP is 137. Now there is clear, he could be the second best second year player this season. It's clear. He's a top 50 upside player, but it requires Miles Turner going and him playing 27 minutes a night. If he does that, 12 and 10 with 2.5 blocks and maybe a three per game with solid percentages, it's really good. Think Rob Williams. Yeah, think Rob Williams. That's him. Rudy Gobert. That's the sort of player he statistically could profile to be on that team. But Miles Turner hasn't been traded by the time I'm recording this. So, He's the backup. Also, they could get another center in. Remember, they did sign DeAndre Ayton to an offer sheet. Do they start Goga ahead of him again? I don't know. It's a risk. So while I think 85 is fine, and I've taken him around that area before, I've got him sort of in round eight to round nine. But that's basing it on, I think he's going to get a minutes bump because Turner's gone. But it might not work, and I wouldn't want to risk it at round seven or round eight, really. Points leagues, it's a different story for Jackson. He's not a good points league player. He's a guy I'd leave till round 11, round 12 in a points league. But again, there's still so much upside in what he brings waiting on a Turner trade. It might happen in February though. And then you're holding on to a zero for a lot of time. That's why I wouldn't want to burn a round eight pick on that. Maybe round 11. At this point, when we're doing mocks. We hope something happens with Turner before the season. We'll forget into it. If I'm doing a serious draft right now, I'm not taking him at that area in general. Because I'm a little bit worried that I'm sitting on a nothing for a long time. If it's a round 10 pick, even round 9, I can maybe deal with that. And if I need to drop, I drop. Because the upside is so tantalizing. Yeah, second highest upside, I think, on this on this group of guys behind Cade for this season for fantasy. Not real life, for fantasy. Because of the block number. Especially for categories, not really for points. But there's a chance it doesn't work out. The big stiffy. Bones Highland, second year player. A lot of people hype for him as well. And all it's going to come down... This, I've said this multiple times, but I'll say it again. What it's going to come down to is Jamal Murray. People are really latching onto something that Michael Malone said in Summer League, saying he's going to be in the 20s and they're going to be really, really slow with Jamal Murray. I don't listen to... There's a reason I call Michael Malone the doctor. It's because he just spouts absolute garbage from a medical perspective continually. You cannot trust a single thing this guy says regarding medical stuff. You just can't. And he also has a real issue in limiting players' minutes. So Jamal Murray tore his ACL in April 2021. 
it was always going to be a push for him to get back this season. And I didn't expect him to get back, even though there were reports that he was working out and ready to go. But by the time the season rolls around, and he's not Jonathan Isaac. I know we're not talking about the headmaster here, but we are because it's Bones Highland related. By the time the season rolls around, it's going to be, how long is it? 18 months since he tore his ACL? ACLs are not what ACLs used to be, unless you're John Isaac. ACLs are not that. You can be back in 10 to 11 months. 12 months usually is about standard. And then ready to go, fire it up, no problem. So I think there will be some limits on Jamal early on. He'll sit games, back-to-backs. He might play 26 a night for a couple of couple of you know weeks maybe. But I was having this discussion with someone on uh, Fantasy Basketball Subreddit. They said he won't play over 30 until after the All-Star break. And I'd be flabbergasted. That'd be 22 months removed from a tour race to an ACL where he couldn't get back to 30 minutes. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I looked back, Zach Levine, when he tore his ACL, he came back right on 12 months. For the first month, he played under 30 minutes and then he was ready to go. And was just playing his usual minutes. And I think that's probably what we expect from Murray, who's also got the added benefit of six months extra on his recovery. Now, in saying all that, Bones Highland is going to have a probably a larger role than he did last season. But the also thing we have to look at, people go, well, Monty Morris and Will Barton are gone. 100% true. They are gone. But Jamal Murray's back, Contavious Caldwell Pope came back, Ish Smith also arrived, probably won't be in the rotation, and they signed Bruce Brown. So it's not like those guys left and nobody replaced them. Highland will have a role, but is it going to be 28 minutes a night worth? Probably not. He's going to end up being an in-and-out stream guy for a lot of this. Um, in saying all that, he played 19 minutes a night last year. He was 221st in categories, 228th in points leagues. He was pretty good. And down the stretch, he really started to come on. But Malone kept saying, oh, I've got to find him more minutes, and they wouldn't play him because Malone's untrustworthy like that. He's got an ADP of 136 on Yahoo, rank of 154. I've got no problem with him as an 11th round, 10th round player. But I think there's going to be a lot of fluctuations in what happens. And there is the risk of people going a little bit too hard on him, I think. I think that's a risk. Back to Indiana. Should have put him with Isaiah Jackson. It's Chris Duarte, who started out last season red hot and then faded away. Had quite a few injuries as well. But he also, and you know, it's what I talked about at the start of last season, what he did to begin the year, hitting 55% of his threes, I think, for a couple of weeks, was obviously unsustainable. He played 28 minutes a night as a rookie. 163rd in category leagues, 154th in points leagues. There is an opportunity for him to start. I'm not sure that he does. Halliburton, Heald, Matherin, and Duarte. One of those guys is coming off the bench. It's not Ma- It's not Halliburton. So two of Heald, Matherin, and Duarte are going to start, and one is going to come off the bench, would be my guess. Duarte's got an okay-looking fantasy game. I think he can play 30 minutes a night. I'm not sure there's gigantic upside, but ranked at 149, he's probably more of a 120 guy. He's one of those 12 guys who's in my top 120. So I think there is some value in him, but there is also the risk that he comes off the bench. Heald is not traded, and Heald and Matherin play, Heald plays 35, and Matherin plays 32, and Duarte plays the same 28 minutes he played last season and hovers on the fringes. It's possible. The last guy I've got as a top 120 player for this season is Herbalife Jones. He was 98th in category leagues last season. He was 146th in points leagues. Played 30 minutes a night. I'm a little bit worried about him. Now, people will look at him and there's people who will argue that he was a top 50 player last season. And that is the perfect argument to me why you shouldn't use turnovers when looking at rankings or totals. Because there is no situation where you would consider Herb Jones as a fourth round player. You just wouldn't. 
It's just, it's just not, it's just not real. It doesn't help your team to that degree. That's why those things are misleading. Um, 98th in category leagues on the back of really big steal numbers and shocking massive improvements in free throw percentage. He actually dropped off in his three-point percentage as the season went on. The problem we have this season is we expect a lot of second-year players to take steps up with big usage increases. I don't think that's going to happen for him because Zion's back and it's a full season of CJ McCollum. I think Herb still starts, plays 30 to 31 minutes. But as I detailed on a show last week, the stability year-to-year of steal rates is the least stable. He is a really good defender, and he probably still gets a lot of steals. But if he goes from 1.7, which is what I believe... I probably should look this up. What I believe he averaged last season, if that goes from 1.7, or maybe he averaged more than that, if it goes from that down to 1.5, the value's gone. What did he actually average? He averaged 1.7 last season. If that drops off, the value is gone. He also shot... um, yeah, 53% from the field, from two and 34% from three, but that three-point shooting fell to 30% over the last 30 games, which is more in line with his poor shooting form at Alabama. And the usage at 14%, that could easily go to 13% or 12% with Zion and a full season of CJ. So while he's useful, I don't like taking him at Yahoo's rank of 86. And you see his ADP's 109, because he was another one of those players they had, like Franz Wagner, ranked in the 260s. So that's why there's a big discrepancy. We will start to see his ADP push towards that rank, and that's going to mean I don't want anything to do with him in round seven or round eight. I wouldn't want to draft him there. And in points leagues, absolutely not. I'm not even sure he's got high enough upside to be draftable in a 12-team points league. Maybe he does. Where have I got him ranked there? No, I've got him about 150. So that's barely draftable in a points league. Now, they're the top 12 that I have. I'm just going to run through some other names who I think have possibilities to either be last-round flyers or 14-team league options or ability to really push in and have some numbers this year. Trey Murphy, another guy that could impact Jones. I think he's going to have a pretty sizable role. And he's going to be a nice scorer, a nice three-point guy, a nice steals player. Isaiah Livers, outside shot he starts. He should start for Detroit. Maybe he gives you 14 points and two threes in a similar role to Trey Murphy. Quentin Grimes. He could start over Fournier. Grimes doesn't have the greatest fantasy profile, and I would have loved it a lot more if he was playing in Utah because he's a low-usage guy who doesn't get many assists or rebounds and hits some threes, but it's not high volume or anything like that. So I'm a little worried about his role. Austin Rivers, I thought, was going to start for the Lakers. I don't think he will now that Beverly's there, but if Westbrook's goes, you expect someone else to come back and fill that spot. So I'm downer on him. Josh Primo, I don't think Primo's going to start, but maybe they put him in there ahead of Trey Jones. Maybe they move McDermott to the bench, put Calden Johnson at the four, and start Primo and Vassell together. He's worthy of a last uh, last pick. His numbers weren't great last season, Primo. Some real inefficiency issues, and he still hasn't developed enough as a point guard, but some of his G League point guard numbers were okay. Jose Alvarado, second-year guy in New Orleans, another steals player. Probably going to be ahead of Devontae Graham in the rotation, would be my guess. Davion Mitchell, Really good numbers down the stretch, but remember, there was no Fox, no Sabonis. He played 40 minutes a night, and everything went bananas for him, and he's just not going to get that opportunity, I don't think, this season. I don't even think that he starts. I think Herder starts, and Mitchell comes off the bench and plays 27 minutes, and he struggled for most of last season. John Kaminga, maybe. He's going to have an extra role with Porter and Bielitsa gone, but his lack of production in threes, bad free throws... um, I think that really, lack of assists, I think that really impacts his fantasy game. I don't think I'd even take a last round flyer on him, but he's going to have impact moments for sure. 
Josh Christopher probably needs a couple of trades there. Robinson Earl might be a starter for Oklahoma City. Don't more of a deeper league player. Dayron Sharp, hmm. I was hopeful that he'd be the backup in Brooklyn. I think they'll go with Markeith Morris now, but we can't trust his health. Sharp's a really good permanent player. So that's something to watch. Ayo Desunmu with Lonzo Ball out. Now remember, Desunmu put up big numbers at one point last year when Caruso and Lonzo and I think Zach Levine were all out and he was playing 40 minutes a night. And then when everyone came back, everything dropped way off. And while Lonzo is still out, they might start Desunmu. But Dragic is in the mix. Kobe White's still there. Caruso is there. Um, I, I, I don't mind it as a last round pick, but I'm not having huge upside hopes. Zaire Williams is a really interesting player. I think he's going to take on a larger role with Kyle Anderson gone and Jaron Jackson out. It's an outside shot that he starts and they go really small with Zaire at the four. But watch if there's a Dylan Brooks trade because that means Zaire moves in and starts straight away and be very interesting. Really, really intrigued. I like him as a late round pick. It's probably a 10% chance of working out, but I like it. When you look at Modi Moody, Modi Moody, Modi Gary Payton's gone in Golden State. Damian Lee is gone. They did bring in Dante DiVincenzo. I think Moody's going to play like a 20-minute-a-night role. But if Curry or Clay misses time, if Poole gets hurt, just he's a name to watch. It's going to be a little bit hard to get enough value, but I think he's going to be at least a regular rotation player. And then you go to Trey Mann, who people really seem to like. I don't. I don't think he's a very good player. And I also look at their rotation and go, that's Giddy. It's Shea, it's Dort, who are all clearly ahead of him. And then you've got Jalen Williams as well, who's probably going to push to be equal, if not ahead of him. I don't see the upside or the usage or even the fantasy game that profiles as being excellent. But he's a name that's at least, when you're looking at 16, 18 team leagues, he's in the mix. And then we talked about Jaron Jackson's absence. Santi Aldama put up really good numbers in Summer League. I don't think that they would give him the start. It'd probably go Brandon Clark, or maybe it is somebody like Isaiah Williams. But don't be shocked if Aldama is a guy that starts opening night and puts up okay numbers. It's a low chance of happening, but he's absolutely in the mix of guys that we want to watch. So there are 26 names, I think it was, that I covered. 26? 28, actually. 28 names of second-year players who we're looking at to take steps forward or to hover where they were, but there's big improvements coming in this group. Let me know which of these guys you like. Who do you agree with my takes on? Who don't you agree? Drop it in the comments below and follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app for here on YouTube. I guess you know what to do. In fact, I'm sure you know what to do. Thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.